for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Time to talk out calling again, y'all. It's part three of our cast calling series, all about presentation. During part two of the series, we talked about knowing your bait. Those sounds we use to motivate a bull to come to us. But on tonight's show, it's all about how to present that bait. The techniques, emotions, visual calling directions, organic timing, and volume levels. Yeah, buddy, you can have all kinds of baits in that tackle box, but it's going to be the way you present that bait that initiates the strike. That discussion, our Elk Bros shout-outs and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox, and we introduce the Elk Bros Adventures class of 2022. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your hosts, Gilbert Ornelas and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right, from Katy, Texas, we got the leader of the Venezuelan mafia in the house, the man that builds the big, bad, poisonous pills, Dr. Arrow himself, Mr. Luis <laughs> Gonzalez is in the house. And all the way from New 
Newcastle, Colorado. That's right. We've got the pimp in the box, the man with the smoothest <laughs> voice, Mr. Guy Duplanche is in the house. And all the way from Cimarron, New Mexico, you got your elk hunting coaches in the house here, Mr. Leroy, the Ninja Chavez, and WWJGD's got it teed up tonight, folks, and joining us tonight. We want to welcome the Elk Bros Adventure Class of 2022, John. Woo! Woo! Yeah. 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 Hey, the coaches are applauding yeah. you boys, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, so our listeners, so they understand what is going on. If you've listened in the uh, back in, in some of the other episodes, you know, we have, um, basically we have Elk Bros Adventures where we have had guys that have purchased a hunt that they are actually being coached for and coached on. So, you know, uh, and before, and I don't want to give away too much of it because I want them to talk about this experience, but I know that each one of these gentlemen, now we do have Cody here and Cody is actually our winner, um, that's going to be hunting with the Elk Bros. So he won that in the, in the Elk Bros giveaway. So he's here with us tonight as well. And then we have our four gentlemen. We'll let them introduce themselves when we get them here in a second. But, um, I know that when these guys went into this, and this is what's so cool is that I guarantee you that each one of them had really no idea what they got themselves into. I, you know, I think, no doubt. I, I think when, you know, they heard that this was a coach hunt, because most people, if you've ever purchased a hunt, and how you picture a purchased hunt is you show up, you have somebody that you follow around and, you know, they help you find an animal. This is not a guided hunt. This is a coach hunt. And they have, <laughs> they have seen a lot of us way prior to, um, ever getting boots on the ground, but I'm going to let them introduce themselves. We're going to go around and, um, we'll start with, uh, Larry, just uh, you guys go around and tell everybody who you are, where you're from. Go ahead, Larry. Hello, I'm Larry Gill. I live in Shawnee, Oklahoma. All right. One of the That's Larry guys. the Hitman Gill to everybody else out there. <laughs> the Hitman <laughs> Easy there, Gill. <laughs> I'm Tom Roth from uh, Milton, Wisconsin. Tom. Tom represented with the Elk Bro stuff tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. Very proud. proud. Yeah, look at that. Mm. Next Mike up. Messer from Cedar Falls, Iowa. Say it again, because I got over top of you, bud. I'm Mike Messer from Cedar Falls, Iowa. Big Mike. I'm representing the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> and over there in El Salvador today, who do we got? Yeah. The, um, coming, uh, f- first time caller, long time listener, Adam, Adam <laughs> Messer. Adam <laughs> Messer coming today from El Salvador, normally from, uh, Mill Valley, California. I cannot believe, dude, that we've got you on here from El Salvador. That's Stanford like badass himself, Mr. Up. Adam Messner. Showing up. Showing awesome up. is technology. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is just unbelievable. And Cody, introduce yourself again, man. Uh, I'm Cody Kirkpatrick, and uh, I'm from uh, Roy City, Texas. Originally from Kansas, but I live in Roy City, Texas now. That, that's that's the crew. And uh, so what I want to do is, you know, I, I kind of put it out there. I want to hear from you guys, you know, when this happened, really in your mind, what did you expect, and then how did the reality um, compare to that 
expectation? That's a cool question, Joe. I'm super interested. Absolutely. <laughs> Jump in. When I first uh, saw it, I wasted no time filling out the form, and then I asked my wife for permission. But <laughs> <laughs> always easier to ask for permission, man. Ask for forgiveness before permission. Pure wisdom, had, right there. Yes. Like you said, Joe, I had no idea what we were in for because I thought we'd show up, and then the coaching would start mm-hmm. when we got boots on the ground. But how many uh, meetings have we had, guys? Jingle. A lot. (laughs) Or so, more. I mean, you've taught us how to call. You critiqued our calls. For crying out loud, I sent you a uh, uh, clip this morning at 6 a.m., and you responded within an hour on, you know, some fine-tuning of it. So So you're saying he's just getting up late at 7. Joe just got up (laughs) like a (laughs) baby. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The way he rolls. Yeah, don't worry. He don't get up till 2. When we're in the woods. Uh, <laughs> hey, get your ass up at 2. Get ready. A.M. <laughs> A.M., baby. So, A.M. You know, so what's cool is, and, and we've talked about our success squad. So basically each one of you have been have been privy to and been in contact with each of our success squad members separately at different times, at different days, at different meetings. There have been contacts, uh, texts, going back, emails. We have um, WhatsApp together, right? <coughs> like that. So, um, you know, Mike, you're generally the, the quiet guy of the group. You're, you're the thinker of the group there. T- tell us, what has this been like for you? Uh, I, like Tom, saw it come across the, my feed on, I believe it was on Facebook or uh, and such. It was online. I looked at it. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I read into it, filled out the application, sent it in, told my wife the next day what I did. Well, a couple of days later, Joe calls and goes, hey, let's talk about this. And we started talking about it and talking about it. And I was like, I got to tell my wife first. And I did. <laughs> and I talked to her that day and I said, I got back to we talked through it. But bottom line is, is the expertise level and the amount of information provided to us has just been off the charts. So, uh, it's kind of like fire hose full of information, but what's cool about it is, is every week we've got one, two, maybe three meetings, depending on what you're available to work and get involved. But between all the guys here, I mean, I had a good talk with Luis on equipment. I talked to Chav on physical fitness. I mean, Joe's worked us through calls, and we talked to Gilbert on, you know, things that we need to work on to make sure we eliminate problems in the woods with Guy. Every week we've got a guy with a host of new topics. It's just every week and new topics, new assignments. And throughout the week we're getting follow-up information from uh, through the WhatsApp. And as a community, I mean, there's five of us here in a community with a couple others involved too. But I'm just telling you, it's it's a community. And we show up in camp. It's like we're just – I'm jacked to be there because it's uh, a chance to take what we've learned, put our boots on the ground, and then right next to us is going to be a coach going, what are we doing next? What are we going to do next? <laughs> Don't F up. <laughs> it's all yeah, on you. Like, yeah, yeah, it's that guy back here right there is going to be selling me that. I'm going to be, huh? Huh? <laughs> where are we going now? But no. Uh, and, really you know, God, God says that tongue in cheek because without making those mistakes, we don't learn. You know, anybody that tell you that they ain't never made any mistakes, they ain't tried very hard. So, you know, so. Mm-hmm. the anticipation level is off the chart and we got a couple of weeks till we get to go, but, uh, everything we'd hope for and more. 
Do you feel more? Ar- do you feel more like you're armored? You you've got more armor on now. You've got more bullets in the gun now yeah. than when we first started this. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, definitely. Yeah, and and we've actually done like surveys along the way to kind of take a pulse of everybody. I mean, from the very beginning. You know, we did things to find out where they felt like their strengths were, their weaknesses were. Um, and we kind of take that pulse along the way to find out. And they are so good at being honest about that. In fact, sometimes they're brutally honest with themselves and with us. And I really like that, you know, because, you know, when you're, when you're working with people the way we do, you don't always you know, like I said, Mike is one of those that he's always learning and listening like that. And then, you know, you've got people that'll text you, you know, question. Then you got like Cody, who's Cody's just like freaking bouncing off the walls, ready to rock, man. You know, he's, so you always know what he's thinking like that, you know, and, uh, and so it's, it's pretty cool to see how this process has gone along. Cause we've been at this now for, well over a month. I think we're almost going into two months there, right? Yeah, and I, I did something that was that was way off the wall. I wanted to test these guys and see how really committed to the process they were. It was six hours before I called a meeting, and boom. I mean, just laid it on them. Hey, we're, by the way, guys, uh, need to see who's committed and who's not. And, man, they all showed out, right? Now, some of them were like, dude, I'm finna get in lots of trouble by my wife because I'm supposed to be at dinner, but I want you to know. But, again, man, you know. Are you talking about me in particular there? Nah, I ain't said a word, brother. You did great, dude. Uh, what I wanted to see was the level of – you know, where are we at? Are we committed? And, and, and are, are, I wanted to see again after talking with Guy, cause Guy was one of the first ones to land, make contact. And he's like, dude, don't let up, you know, get right after him. Cause these cats, they're going to need it. Right. Uh, especially what they're fixing to put themselves through in this hunt that's coming up. So, um, it was super important for me to gauge what, what was out there and who really wanted to work. And I'm telling you, the guys were, Awesome. The questions that they had were amazing every week that we, you know, there's just so many times you can bang that gong in, in what we had to go through. But man, it was all super, uh, to get with these guys and see where they were at, uh, emotionally, physically, the whole nine yards to get them to where they're going to need to be when we're in camp and ready to rock and roll. Cause and it's different. It's different, fellas. There was a point where I actually asked them because I knew how many coaches were you know, tapping and, and, you know, bringing them on. And I was like, guys, let me just ask you a question. Is it too much? And to a man, they were like, no, no, we're doing great with all, which was really surprising to me. I thought they'd be like, God, but you know, that's the cool thing is, is because we're each doing something different, you know, because you have, you know, with the fitness and you have with the setup and then you have with the gear and failure points and calling, everything is granular and everything's different and everything's fresh. And so, that's that's been pretty cool. Now Larry Gill here, but is that's been by, by design, Joe. You designed that in your mantra. So kudos to you and how you set this up because it's been it's been flawless in my my opinion. Doing what we've all done, man. So uh, kudos to you and the and the module that you set for us, the expectations that you set. So man, I'm, I'm so proud to be part of this team. The one thing I'd like to say is is what I appreciated, right? And and I didn't expect the level of honesty out of each of you. Um, yeah. It, it's a big thing, right, for for us to kind of lay down my pride and say, here's my weak points. 
Um, all of us at some point have, you know, issues with that and not a lot of people will lay it down like that. And I really appreciated the fact that you guys were able to lay that stuff down and say, Hey, here's my weak point. This is where I'm at. You hear Cody's like, man, I'm blazing at 80 yards, bro. Back up off me, you know, and, and to have someone have to settle in and go, look, man, my limit's 40 right now. That's a big deal, man. Guys, Absolutely. guys don't let their, you know, their pride down. So kudos to you boys on that. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And so, Larry, you are no stranger to me or Chad. Sure. We've, we've known you for a number of years. And, uh, um, I, I think you surprise a lot of people because you actually have a lot of elk hunting experience. But, man, I tell you what, you came into this hungry. So how, how has it been for you from what you thought it might be to what it actually is Joe um, I knew this was going to be top notch when 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 I got the invitation to go I felt like I'd won the lottery I mean like <laughs> and I was telling people I won the lottery is it really how much did you win I won an elk hunt with Joe Gelia and his team it was just awesome Joe and I met 22 years ago in his house we put together a hunt and uh, he was kind enough. I told him I, I, I wanted to learn how to hunt elk. There were two ambitions as a child, as a Boy Scout I had. One was to ride horses. The other was to hunt elk with a bow. And both of those dreams have been fulfilled. And this is just the climax of that, if you will, which just goes beyond beyond any words that I could say. And working with Chav, I got to hunt with Chav and Joe for about four or five years we had Best. great success and great fun and just uh and this has been a tremendous adventure with with guy and, and travis o'shea and and uh, uh gilbert and rc everybody's just been great to work with uh Flowing you, information like a fire. Larry, Larry, is that a tear? Is that a tear in your eye? Got to watch that Stanford grad, man. He'll be on you like a rat on a Cheeto. <laughs> hey, re- re- we'll remember that when Adam arrows that bull and he's boohooing over them antlers. Man. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt, buddy. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I cry like a little, I mean, a little girl all the time. <laughs> uh, Mr. Messner. So uh, let, let me ask you, um, what has the value been? Well, I mean, I, I totally echo what Larry said. I feel really humbled and grateful to be here. I really, really, really appreciate that I, that I get to be with all you guys. And the passion that you guys have 24-7, I mean, Chav, Luis, you guys are the real deal. Gilbert, Guy, you guys bring it. Like, this is really who you are. And, you know, I don't want to say that I like idolize you guys, but I really do look up to you. I listen to you guys all the time. And for all the other listeners out there who, you know, Hey, what are these guys really like behind the curtain? Who, who really are these elk bros? This is who you are. This is what you live, breathe, eat and sleep. And I'm just so, so thankful to get to chat with you guys. And, you know, this is who you are. I'm, uh, this has been supremely informative, but also just a continuation of how you operate 24-7. Did you have a little preview from the CEO, Mr. Rob Canales? Yeah, Did you have Rob's, a little preview? 
<laughs> Rob's a buddy of mine. He said, yeah. "Mess, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up." <laughs> <laughs> That's spoken like the true CEO, right? Don't mess this up. He's a super good dude, man. And you know, out of the group, you know, because what we also allowed was, um, because the whole goal of of this Elk Bros Adventures is for each of these guys to become confident skilled DIY hunters, do-it-yourself hunters. Our goal is for them to not need us, to be able to go from here, take off next year, have a partner with them, go solo, whatever it takes, and to be able to go out there and feel confident about going into those woods and getting it done, you know, with the skill sets that we're trying to give them, trying to make them well-rounded. And, you know, I know we hit you with a lot of information, and then we kind of come in and try to – um Try to simplify some of that. Try to pull it together so it makes sense uh, right in the end by simplifying that stuff. But, you know, what we had done as well is we had in, said that each person could bring somebody else if they wanted a hunting partner to come with them just to learn to do that. And we actually had, out of all this group, we had one person that uh, is taking advantage of that, and that's Cody. And... You know, what's so cool about that is his dad's not here tonight, so um, he's not going to hear you say anything nice about him, Cody. I'm going to tell him that you said he was a piece of crap anyway, so, uh, you know. <laughs> Got to be uh, in camp with him too, bro. <laughs> but I, I want you to talk, because really this adventure has not been just about you. It's been about you and your dad, right? Yeah, so... um you know, with my dad, you know, like I explained before, is that, uh, you know, he's used to sitting on wallows. Um, he, he does have, uh, have, have an issue with his hearing, which, which limits him. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, when I started archery hunting with him, we would sit on the wallow. And, uh, for me, I would hear the elk bugling behind me going up the mountain. And I'm like, Hey, what are we doing, dad? And he's like, well, just sit here long enough and we'll kill one. I kill one every year. I mean, you, you can't argue with that logic, but um, me being uh, b- being stubborn, you know, I, t- I took off and started chasing elk. And, uh, you know, what I learned over those few years, you know, a lot of failures. Um, but but uh, it finally came together a few years ago and, and called one in, and Dad and I double teamed up on one. And, uh, you know, that, that took the whole experience to a new level. And I wanted more of that. And, uh, so, you know, I told you guys, uh, for me, I'm a student of the game because I just, I love it so much. This is all I think about 365 days of the year. And so. The right group. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, (laughs) seriously, I listen to podcasts in the morning, going to work, podcasts at lunch, podcasts going home, you know, reading whatever I can get my hands on. Um, and, you know, even with all of that, over, you know, three years, um, you know, the experience with you guys, man, you want to talk about a steep learning curve. And um, I, I, I grasped on to every single nugget you guys threw out there, and, and, I, and I love it. Um, and I would tell you that right now, um, with that knowledge and that coaching, I can tell you, man, I am, I am highly confident. And I, I'm just ready to get there, man. I'm, I'm counting down the days. You know I'm what? down to hours now. <laughs> yeah, what's so cool was when I met your dad, he could not 
he could not use a diaphragm call. He couldn't make a, you know, well, he did. I'm sorry. He could make a sound with it by sticking it between his teeth, kind of like you do grasp between your thumbs and make this. Um, but he, he ha- did not want to use a diaphragm at the time. And now he is sending me videos and I'm getting all, I mean, he is just going berserk on, you know, I mean, he got some of our grinder calls and is just going crazy with it. So that to me, to see his excitement to go out in the woods with you and besides being in a blind, you know, he sent me a text this morning. You talk, I mean, he is just so pumped. He sends me a text this morning. He goes, I've checked my cameras on my wallow and there has not been an elk for days. And he's like, you know, all of this stuff I'm learning just might save my elk season, you know? So, I mean, because now it's so much water in Colorado that, you know, they're, they're able to disperse and to get around and, you know, not concentrate and be necessarily there where his wallow is, you know, his little sacred spot that he has there. So that's, that was pretty cool, you know, Cody, to see that part of it, you know, that's, that's exciting to me. And I, I get all those videos too and all those recordings. It's like ding, ding, my phone all day long. You think, you think the WhatsApp is bad? <laughs> Be connected to my dad. <laughs> but it's great. I love it. You know, I think Adam turns off the WhatsApp. I mean, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have some poignant con- conversation going on the WhatsApp sometimes like we did last night. Um, but you know, one of the things, Joe, I, I was, uh, I wanted ever all our listeners to know too that we do promote this do it yourself, right? right? I mean, it's it's what we promote. Um I, I have been on the Elk Bros Adventure side for the last day, day and a half, really pushing to sell tags and stuff like that that we have tags available. And I was on a, a little site today and I got called a clown on a site, Joe. <laughs> so I'm like, why wow, and, and dude you should have watched the people that were on that site that knew who we were. That guy was in trouble, man. They went at him like a daggum rat on a Cheeto, brother. And they were like, clown, do you know who you're talking to? And I'm like, look, man, he, he just thought I was there trying to sell hunts. And I'm like, no, 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 man. We're selling tags, an opportunity to come in and do it yourself. And that's what we're all about. I said, And I killed him with kindness, man. I was, you know, I said, hey. I said, hey, brother. So his next line was like, one, I'm not your brother. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We are brothers. We like to elk hunt. We're on an elk hunting forum, man. We're all brothers, dude. Oh, dude, you got to stay off them forums, bro. Do what? Yeah, you yeah, exactly. yeah, dude. You're better off like, on Pornhub, bro. Yeah. <laughs> really. Here we go, guy. Here we have, go, bro. Have, I'm just saying, you have so, a better chance of scoring on Pornhub than you do on Pornhub. I was like, I can't believe these guys. And That's then, where the experts live. Exactly. It was a lot of fun, but there are so many people out there that are purists, and I I think we're as pure as it gets as far as do it yourself. We're not. We're not selling hunts, man. We're selling opportunities for you guys to have 100 years worth of experience in camp with you at any given time to help you enhance your hunt, right? I, I really uh, don't. It's revolutionary. Yeah, I, th- I think the idea they're doing is something special. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't profess to say what we are pigeonhole us in any way other than some guys that are real passionate about elk hunting and trying to help other people that want to become more successful at what they're doing. And, and so anyway, nice I mean, and if anybody ever anybody ever looks at the stuff we have and then look at the free content that we pump out, I mean, I have guys that get upset at me because it's like, 
oh my gosh, how much do we have to put on Instagram that people can't find out themselves, man? So, you know, uh, it, yeah. it, we are who we are and we don't apologize for that. Um, because <clears throat> if we have one person out there that has an incredible experience and, and of a lifetime out there doing this stuff, uh, you know, uh, it's okay. I got thick Worth stuff it. for the rest of that. Hey, that's one of the things I love about this podcast is you guys have like such an interesting collection of folks and an interesting collection of diverse ideas and diverse perspectives. Like you don't get that on some of the other hunting podcasts, right? It's, at, one you know, way. sometimes it's one or two dudes echoing each other's ideas and echoing each other's uh, concepts. And they oftentimes hunt together or sometimes it's even one person just postulating you guys yeah. are. Come yeah, I'm always right. And Manano's always wrong. <laughs> and you get that contrast. <laughs> Who's Manano? I don't know. Where I, is I, Manano? I, keep about, I think, I think this dude's W-O-M, like waiting on there, Manano. Man. Must sneak in at night or something. I haven't seen him in a while. Manano's like Vitalakis. Yeah. <laughs> a thing that, but it doesn't really exist. I <laughs> one of the things that, go ahead, Luis. I'm sorry, brother. But one of the things I wanted to say too is, uh, the, the group has been special because all the people that's participating on this 2022 elk hunt, um, that's come into our group has been special. You know, everybody has, everybody like Joe said is different, but, um, all very special people, good people to deal with, open to learn, uh, willing to bounce ideas back and forth in a respectful manner. I mean, just top notch people. I, I, I don't think we could have started this journey with a better group of guys. And, uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it because you guys have made it easy. You guys have helped us out because believe it or not, you are part of our growth and of our learning process and uh you've you've made us better for it so yeah. i i just want to thank you guys uh for that well, i tell Luis, my ball players every day are you tearing up now yeah. well i, I mean i figure i figure out you know it just just a little bit you know we okay. <laughs> did background checks on everybody y'all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell all my ball players y'all make me better as a coach because as good as y'all are i gotta bring it every day right i gotta figure some way to get us better every day and that's the way it is for you guys we gotta figure out how to help y'all get better every day so it's on us you know you said i said this a million times attitude reflects leadership so you know you guys have played in the big time arena of sports mr messner and all the rest of you that have played big time sports chav joe y'all all know exactly what i'm talking about man you know you're only as strong as your weakest link and everybody's got to pull on that rope the same amount uh or we, we're going in circles you know we're rowing the boat in circles so as a coach you want to get better for your players every day if not nobody's going to respect that you know so hey, Chad, before before we let the guys go man uh, i want to hear from you on 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 your your dealings with the crew well you know across the board great guys you know that's the one thing i've i've uh really been uh, happy with in, in my adventures meeting new people we haven't really had a butthole <laughs> you know in camp with us <laughs> and uh <laughs> and the and the group of people that have that are going to be with us on this hunt are just amazing people on their own right. You know, I'm really looking forward to meeting all you guys, you know, on a one-on-one and listening to your adventures. And uh, I'm sure Gilbert will tell us a lot of great adventures that you guys will. <laughs> well, what, about, laughing. 
build that about their conditioning, Cav? Huh? I, I mean, oh. are, are you concerned, man? I'm not concerned at all. You know, oh, they were okay. already they're they're already well on their way. You know, I just offered some little tips here and there that hopefully will help them out as as they go through the hunts. And some very awesome. good ones. Well, well, boys, um, it's eight days for you, Cody. I think everybody else is right at about three weeks, right? Um, mm-hmm. Till we're all in elk camp and we get to put the boots on the ground, and that's where you know the proof is in the pudding, man. So mm-hmm. we are looking forward to um, following you and watching your experiences and and being able to be, you know, that person back there on the shoulder that is there, you know, to keep that development going. And, and help you as far as, you know, and that's what, what, what we talked about is, is our, our job is not to tell you what's right or wrong. Our job is like when you say, okay, I, you know, what's the plan for today? Well, I'm going to try such and such and such. And we're like, okay, so there's some other thoughts that you can think about and then let them make the decision. And then you guys make those decisions, whether it's a choice on a setup or whether it's a choice on type of call you're using or an area you're going. And all we are is those people just to provide that additional information for you to make choices and to be that support system like any good partner would be out there. So that's, uh, that's, we're excited to do that guys, man. And, um, thank you for, helping us to develop this model because um, this is a dream come true, doing what we're doing, and you guys are the first ones to have it done. You are pioneers of a program. So uh, thanks a lot, fellas. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Hey, Cody. Good night, guys. We'll see you all soon. Cody, probably about about time for you to start packing if you haven't done so yet. <laughs> I'm already there. loaded ten times. Yes. Guy, <laughs> you wanted to say something before they take off? Yeah, you boys better bring your hammocks. If you don't want to hang out in base camp, we'll go hang out on the mountain. We'll swing, we'll swing in between trees. <laughs> Y'all do the hammock. <laughs> you're the one making the you're the one making the model faces there, buddy. <laughs> I'm excited to see you guys. Humbled by the uh, experience and the time with you, I appreciate yes. it. And, you know, look forward to seeing you guys all in camp. Thank you, oh, sir. Everything. Thank, Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good night, guys. Talk to you soon. Peace. Adios. <laughs> well, Joe, let's get this party started, brother, and head over to our Elk Bros mailbox. Absolutely, man. And, uh, Guy, I think you're going to help us out with that. All right. Jeff Sweeney out of Iowa. This year, I decided to uh, sign on with an outfitter in Colorado for a five-day drop camp style hunt, September 10th through the 14th, unguided. This coincides with Colorado muzzy season. Please. Uh, full moon and just before the real action gets going. Since it's only five days and we will not have an option of uh, simply moving to a new area if not finding elk fast, and this is a new area to me, um, what advice would you give to increase my odds of success with such restrictions? By the way, I've been hunting Colorado OTC archery elk for over 25 years and am running maybe 25 to 30% on success during this time. My old area is being overrun by hunters and we have been seeing less and less elk the last few trips, which also contributed to my desire to hunt elsewhere. I have a decoy that mounts to my bow, but with the muzzy hunters out there, uh, too, I'll be hesitant to put that out. Woo! You want me to go? You want me to go? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they want my opinion on this one. <laughs> That's a... Yeah, Jeff, leave that decoy out, man. When the, When that muzzy season hits... 
The decoy has to stay away, in my opinion, unless you're going to pack far deep and steep. Um, in terms of when you're hunting, man, we had a lot of elk active during that time. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's talking the language that they want to hear during that time, understanding where you're at in season and approaching it appropriately for where you're at in season is my two cents on that one. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of wish I knew where he was at. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Colorado, um, yeah. and he's going, it's 10 through the 14th in a drop camp. So, you know, he's, he's unguided, but he's in a drop camp. So with others, um, Ooh, I, I don't know if he's with others or not. I'd imagine, uh, yeah. you know, I wouldn't worry about the moon. Um, <laughs> you only, if you only have this area not all day, just, you know, haunt all day and, and, and grid it up and, and try to make sure that you search every corner of it for for a good sign and try to try to find the areas where you know the sign is fresh uh i you know for me i try to find bedding areas man i'd really try to find bedding areas and try to intercept them out of the bedding areas first and get from a higher position glass and then make my move simplify it man just simplify it because elk do you know they they got a bed they're gonna eat they got a drink so you Especially if you're talking to Joey. And then be, they travel in between those places, man. So yeah. if if you just go discover, you know, uh, and reverse engineer, find out, find that water, find where it's at. And in Colorado, in, in an area you're in, there might be a, you know, a deep creek or something going back there. It's okay. It doesn't mean you're going to be waiting over it. But if they're hitting it, you're going to see track. If you're seeing track, now you can reverse engineer. You can get on those trails. You find out where those trails are going. They take you to bedding areas. And now you're also there through the 10th through the 14th, bud. So yeah. things are really starting to pick up now. So. Yeah. That's, I think, a dynamite time when things start to get vocal. And, you know, you've got the little guys that have already started to cow up. And now the big guys are waiting for those cows to start scenting. And then once they do, those big bulls are going to go in and take over because they're trying to conserve that energy. It's a great time right then. I think the 10th through the 14th is legit. And, and I'm with, uh, I'm with Luis, man. Don't worry about the moon. Use it to your advantage. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. get, get out there, get some night bugling in, find out if you can locate something. That's half the battle. Locate it yes. and then go find it yeah. and get an encounter, right? They're either there or they're not. And, right. and you just got to figure that out quick and figure where they're at. Now, the other advice I would give would be, especially an area you don't know, make full use of the apps or of your, of your hunting apps to where you can track your daily, um, track your daily, you know, journeys to where you know which areas you have visited and which ones you haven't. Yeah, make make sure you do good e-scouting so you have target areas A, B, C, and D that you want to check out based on what you're seeing on that, on, on the e-scouting. And then make it a point to try to hit those points every day. Um, and make sure that you start discarding areas based on what you're seeing assigned. I mean, just kind of be methodical about which areas you want to go see and make sure you track your tracks, uh, for lack of a better word, to, to know where you have been. Because, man, those woods have a tendency to make you walk right through the same paths that you walked on the previous days. And you don't realize it, but you probably hit in the same areas every day without noticing it. 
Yeah. I, uh, who are you hunting, brother? Who are you hunting with? Jeez Louise. I will say, I will say I agree with the <laughs> e-scouting, right? Because I think guys get in the position when they're doing drop camps and things like that, and they won't get into the e-scouting as heavy because the outfitter's putting them in a location that should hold, right? But get that e-scouting in and then review that with your outfitter and pick it apart with the outfitter. Pick his brain. He should know the area. Yeah, it's DIY, but you are in that camp. They are going to provide you with some information. And the more you go in with, the more likely they are to hone in on that with you. Would be, uh, you know, I agree yeah, with Jeff, you. Yeah, Jeff, don't, don't get sucked into having to leave 12 miles from camp. Yeah. Really take a look close by first, man. There'll be a mm-hmm. lot of people driving by elk. Yeah, and you're, you're mm-hmm. already in there. I mean, if you're yeah. doing a drop camp, you're already deep. You should, I mean, you could probably hear critters from camp, you know, if you're fortunate, but you're going to probably be on a main trail. So I really recommend for you to look at those areas that are off trail, man, yep. because Northwest other people are places. going to be utilizing those trails as well. You might think that you're the only one in there, but people go deeper and deeper, man. <laughs> I've seen it. So, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think number one, you're in a great place, great time. Uh, you're in a spot. I think you've got some good information from us here. Go make it happen. And, and I'm with, uh, with Guy now. You know, since it's a drop camp, I'm not sure what's going to happen as far as muzzleload hunters. Generally, they don't go that deep in, really. Um, so that's something for you to consider too. Also, if you're, if you're using like, um, if you have the ultimate predator decoy, it has orange flaps that go around the ears and go around the neck. If you're that deep in and you're finding that you don't have that many people in there. So, I mean, yeah, guys like trying to stay on the safety thing. You know, I, and I totally hear it, but I'm, I, I, you know, you just have to judge what's going on there. You might have it for if you're in a situation, um, not where you're putting it up and you're calling and trying to bring something to you like a scenario, but if you're in a situation where you already have that bull coming in, you see that bull and he's probably hanging up and you're just dealing with him in a close, um, area scenario. So that might be a time that it might be useful or even just to go set it up on a tree behind you, you know, so that it has something that he can look at where it's not actually on your person. So there might be some options with that. Uh, but if, I mean, if you were anywhere near areas where people are getting out of trucks and are going in, you know, and I, and generally it's going to be three, four miles at the most <laughs> coming out. I, uh, have, have you seen that with muzzleloader hunters in Colorado guy? Do they really get that deep in there? I've, I've seen one. I saw one gent. He was, <clears throat> I was, I think three years ago two years ago and that was the deepest muzzle loader and he was actually in on muzzle loader bear. Um most of the other guys they're they're staying mobile on the side by sides. Uh-huh. They're jumping out, looking for water, they find water, they'll explore the water and they're right. they're really just moving off of the roads. I haven't seen too many guys get back um, get back in there. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, they can cover 300 yards of that muzzleloader nowadays easy. And and one thing would be is to find out from that outfitter or any other outfitters, is there a, a, a backcountry muzzleloader camp, you know? So, you know, that that would change the deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it a mix? I mean, for that matter, at, at, with an outfitter, is it a mix camp? Yeah. yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, because they, can, they, can they hunt with archery equipment during that time? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah the, the archery, you have your archery season is, is basically all of September. Yeah. And then that muzzleloader season falls in, in that date range. Yeah. Right. And we're still out there. Um, 
you know, I think I, it's from the 10th through the 20th, actually. I think yeah. it's when that. Jeff, most importantly, good luck, stay positive, and yeah. can't wait to see your picture when you harvest. And if I'm year. doing it, I'm wearing orange, brother. Sorry. Cap. At least the cap. At least the cap, yeah. Okay. Uh, second question is from John Lang from Colorado also. And he asked, what do elk do on rainy days? Do they act different? And, uh, you know, from my observation, if it's, if it's a heavy rain, they're going to bed down. Uh, if it isn't, they'll, they'll continue to, to just feed, you know, if it's a light rain, but, uh, I, I think really after a rainfall, that's the best time to hunt because, uh, you know, they're, they're more relaxed. They're not on high alert. And generally, sound carries better right after a rainfall for some reason. And uh, I know bulls have a tendency to bugle right after a rainfall. And that's probably to, you know, to collect their cows or his cows or to uh, see where other bulls may be at. But it's a – and, of course, any track you see is going to be fresh. And, um, you know, I know a lot of times it seems like uh, we just encountered – Elk after elk, right after a rainfall. You know, I don't know. You know, they may be right there. So uh, that's what I, I've observed before. And you know, what do you guys have to add Jeff, to that? If I if I recall correctly, it was you that once told me that you, you have this theory that rain kind of settles the smell and the sand. Oh, it also yeah. I think it it, it grounds it the scent does. when it rains. And that's another factor that's in your favor. If and it quiets your, your footwork too. Hey, Luis, oh, I got a book for you. Definitely. Man. James Nash, uh, recommended this book. It's, uh, Predator Prey Dynamics, The Rules of Olfaction. You would, Gil would hate it. Joe would laugh. You would love it. It's a hard read, bro, but it breaks down the science of scent and how that scent carries in it. Dude, it is a, it's a lottery. It. Uh, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is it, is send me that, any... send me the, that name on WhatsApp Absolutely. if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. I, I know how scent carries. I've been behind Luis, man. So Ooh, <laughs> that's the pot calling the kettle black, bro. <laughs> he's, what? he's, he's, he's projecting his own flaws. Last up, we have Tim Calder from West Virginia and Tim says, what would be the reasons or how do you decide whether you should spike out from base camp? or your truck instead of hiking out each day. You know, for me, it kind of depends on what's happening with the animals. You know, what success am I having in the areas that I'm finding? Um, is it something where um, I feel like I am not able to afford finding something the night before or the day before and then, and then them moving out of an area? Um, is it something where I feel like I have to be on them and the only way I could do it is if I'm out spiking out? You know, we've done it on certain times where we just wanted to be on those boogers at right at daylight. We didn't want to have to hike into them because we had located them in an area. Uh, so if you're going to do something like that, you really have to, it, you almost have to have a hike from truck mentality with everything on your back to be able to stay out that night in case you're like, whoa, I'm not going to leave this. This is too good. And maybe getting into the spot after getting all the way back and getting late and getting back out. So you, you have to be prepared for that. Or 
you if you know of a honey hole that nobody else is going into that you just want to be in there um that night and be able to be on it in the morning and chava we've done that before and we've also done it where it was just a tough situation and we knew that where everybody was camped that we would have the better opportunity of hearing and smelling the animals by being out there locating them at night and then we actually you know we just stayed with them all night long so uh so that we could be on them in the morning so for us it's got to be just the motivation of what is happening and there's some people that just enjoy the opportunity to spike out right you know um they they like that idea of getting out from the base camp and using some of their gear and and having that a little bit of a wilderness experience you know um camp on back experience without it being 5 days long you know with it just being a uh, a one night where you can or two where you can go back and you get back to a comfortable base camp and you can replenish and then you can hunt from there so that's pretty much for me what kind of makes me decide anybody else I would say what's your targeted area, right? I mean, how roaded is it? And then what does that targeted area look like in terms of away from that road or maybe right next to the road, right? The area that we're hunting on the, you know, west side of the state, uh, we set up base camp. We very rarely have to spike out and we're doing rings that are, you know, anywhere from two to four miles a day and they look like Olympic rings. We just overlap, 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 overlap and we're back to camp. Most of the animals that we've seen on that hunt are within three quarter mile a camp. There's yeah, no reason right. for us to spike out on that, yeah. right? Their travel corridors right below the camp. Now, if I'm looking at an area and it's four miles to where my targeted area is, no way that I'm wasting all that time or all that sleep every day in and out. Now, if it is that case and, and we do want to, like if my wife's there, we're going back to camp. She ain't spiking yeah. out nothing, yeah. right? But we <laughs> do have the option of staying out, but it means less sleep and a later night. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's about targeted area as well. And then I think the problem too, sometimes with base camp is guys, it's something, man, you see what folks bring and it takes a while to set up camp, yeah. right? You spend four five, six hours setting up camp, brother, you don't want to take that down. And I think this is my opinion that it, it kind of pigeonholes you to that area. Cause you look at it and you got the Taj Mahal of tents that Joe and Chive sleep in, you don't want to break that down and throw that sucker out. <laughs> Come on, brother. Right? Five minutes to break camp and but, be but 40, home. I know, but okay, but the guys aren't thinking like that. I right? They're going there, going, damn, I don't want to take this stuff down. I got my table yeah. set, I got my food up, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. I yeah. think mobility, I mean, look at Joe's seen my truck. Mobility is the way a base camp should be in my opinion. You know, I, you know, it, it just, to me, it jacks you up a little bit. Uh, again, depending on the type of area you're in, because sometimes like, for example, our base camp was almost like, um, going back in and on a drop camp, you know, uh, the roads were horrible. You know, you got the truck way back in there, ways where most people just don't go and create a base camp. And then we utilize four wheelers to get from there to other areas. We don't necessarily just hunt out of camp. Some guys do, but we would actually scatter, go to different areas. So that, that was a, a real effective strategy for us. So basically we never really had to spike out a lot. It just depends on the type of your, your area you're in. Now, you know, for example, the area we're hunting this year, there's not a whole lot of places where you can get off main forest roads, um, and, and ATV trails and stuff like that to get back into deep areas it's basically it is what it is and you're going on feet so you want to get someplace where other people 
aren't going, then you're going to have to basically, you know, you're going to have to at that time make a decision to spike out on that, right? So, it, again, um, it just depends on where you're finding the elk, uh, how many days you have, uh, whether or not, you know, where you're locating those animals is an area that you need to be on earlier than two hours after you start hiking out or three hours after you start hiking out, or you just don't want to beat yourself up every day going up and down, you know, real steep areas. So you just consider all that stuff and make the best decision from it, man. So good questions, man. Very Let's good. Go, Gil. <clears throat> Guys, you know what time it is. Uh, it's time for the Elk Bros shout outs. Uh, if you're new to our show, it's just a shout out to a few cities <laughs> with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. Absolutely. First up, special elk gross thanks to all those folks taking the time to leave us those incredible reviews on Apple Podcasts to be followed by a couple of some awesome video shout-outs. And remember, guys, if you want to give us a video shout-out, you can DM us, you can email it, you can text it to us, whatever you want to do, but we love to have it. Thank you for those folks showing some love. And first of all, Jeff Sweeney out of Homer, Iowa. He has gained a whole new level of understanding Thanks to the show, he says. Randy SF said, another great episode. Elk Hunter 64. I have a feeling I know who this is. He did not leave his name, um, but we've had some conversations. He says, the elk rows hold nothing back. You get both barrels. And that kind of talks to what you were talking about too <laughs> earlier there, Gilbert. And yeah. then Bulldown says he has been practicing his calling so much. He gets so excited from the show. He may be getting divorced soon. Uh, <laughs> Good on you, brother. Way to stick to the priorities. <laughs> <laughs> so for the foreigner, what does the getting to both barrels mean? Oh, um, so when you get both barrels, it's like yeah, it's the term it goes back to a shotgun. They just unload everything yeah. at you. Oh, I yeah, got both you. Barrels. I got you. Yeah, like yeah, a double barrel shotgun. Shoot one at a time. You yeah, got it. Yeah, Ooh. absolutely, man. And now for our video shout outs, y'all. Hi, Ed Bros. I'm coming to you from Mill Valley, California. My name is Coco. And. Um, I listen to the podcast with my dad a lot. I love I love learning about all of the things about elk and keep dreaming of the screaming. What's up, elk bros? This is Chris McKelvey from Meridian, Idaho, in an undisclosed location in the uh, Idaho mountains. Out here setting trail cameras and scouting today. Good <laughs> <laughs> old Kelby, man. That's my dude. Kelby. Uh, hey, awesome, Joe, man. can you get the, the uh, address of that little Coco girl? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get it for you. Send her Elk Bros hat. I'm yeah, putting it on my account, so cool, brother. Man. Yeah, 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 man, super sweet. From where Adam was at, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dude, that's Adam's daughter. That's oh, it right. is, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, got you. <laughs> yeah. She uh That's pretty so cool. sweet. She wanted to give us a shout out, man. That's so Coco. Yeah, pretty cool. Coco Messner. Chav, you're first up. <laughs> week. Listen okay. To- uh this week's top listening city is part of the Asheville, North Carolina metropolitan area. <clears throat> this area was once part of the vast Cherokee Empire and was known as a major livestock shipping point. This city is home to the oldest frame house west of the Blue Ridge Mountains. The Shook Smathers House built in 1795. And uh, this city is located in the Great Smoky Mountains near the Blue Ridge Parkway. And this is in Clyde, North Carolina. 
Clyde, North Carolina in the house. Top listening, man. The Blue Ridge Parkway, y'all, was, um, as a kid, that was our family's. We didn't vacation like most people, man. A vacation for us was all six kids and two parents got into a van and we drove up into Maggie Valley and along the Blue Ridge Parkway up there and, and, uh, and headed towards, you know, North Carolina and we camped out and that, that was our, that was our family vacation. So I had a lot of good memories on the Blue Ridge Parkway, man. Joe, I, I, I sold my boat to a young man that lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is right there in the Great Smoky Mountains. And he's told me that there were, that they have been sightings of elk in the Smokies and there, he heard talk of them being in the Blue Ridge Mountains as well. So, wow. uh, I don't know if those are leaking out of Kentucky or, or where, man, but it sounds like to me they're starting to get a few elk in that country. Well, Cherokee, North Carolina, where my, where my brother lives, has elk in town, man. Oh, I mean, wow. They're, That's they're awesome. They're all over man. the place there now. Fantastic. So, yeah, elk are, they're spreading, man. It's, uh, yeah. it's, I've been real worried because it seems like the opportunities for the West you know, are getting more and more limited. And what's starting to happen that we haven't realized is that elk herds are growing all over the United States. So, you know, this stuff of trying to keep people from hunting in our states is going to pretty soon people ain't going to have to come here. So, uh, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, we might want to be a little more inviting just to keep them coming because, you know, they help out in a lot of ways. Up yeah. next, Gil. Yeah, I, I was I was looking at something, Joe. Uh, one of the uh, the wildlife biologists in Texas, a guy named, and he listens to our show too, Austin Bohannon. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but Austin sent me something from his uh, from his trail camera in West Texas, just outside of Alpine. I don't know if y'all can see that or not. Wow, uh, dude, that that's too cool. In West Texas, dude, on, on the outside of a feed pen on a deer ranch in, in Alpine, man. So question. If, that herd is if, growing big time. That, that's non-indigenous of Texas. And in it's Texas, free game. That's, that's supposed free to be game. free game year yes, round, sir. right? Yep. Anytime yep. you want. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So the, the glass mountains in the, in the Davis mountains out in that, uh, um, golly, I'm trying to remember the name of the range that's out there, but in the Davis Mountains and the Glass Mountains, there is a big herd of elk there. And I don't know if Texas just hasn't thought there was a huntable population, but there are a lot of guys that are selling $10,000, $12,000 elk hunts out there as outfitters, man. I didn't know how many until, uh, this, this wildlife biologist told me about it. So. Wow. Pretty wild, man. Yep. Joe, next up, the largest northern suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's right. Tulsa, Oklahoma, one of my home away from home. It was once known as Elm Creek and located in the Kawasakoe, uh district of the Cherokee Nation. You will find it in the northeast corner of Oklahoma, known as the green country for its vegetation, hills and woods and lakes in contrast to the drier great plains of Oklahoma out to the west. And if you are a country music fan, this city is home to country music superstars Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood in Owasso, Oklahoma. Owasso, Oklahoma. I would have Sorry. never been able to spell, to pronounce that district name. 
Yeah, that's that's why I gave you the one that you had, bro. So, <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think Garth's from Yukon, but yeah, Owasu's right down the road. That being said, our next stop listening city is located 70 miles northwest of the state capital of Madison, Wisconsin. Town's beginning was based on the lumber industry. A 10-sided barn or decagon barn is a must-see destination for tourists as is Castle Rock County Park. Castle Rock County Park is a 13,955-acre lake that provides great fishing, two public beaches, and numerous water sports. <laughs> Austin, <laughs> Wisconsin. Got you. Right. Now, Got him. Now, Austin, yeah, Wisconsin. Good job, man. He's yeah. great with the beaches, baby. I know, man. I, I you know, nailed that one. <laughs> nailed it. I don't, I don't know why, but in my mind, <laughs> I, just, I just have, like, beaches and Wisconsin just don't go together. You know, I did the two words, man, for some mm-hmm. reason. It, uh, right. Now, white-tailed deer in Wisconsin? Yeah. You know, but, yeah, I don't. It's funny. You don't think of that as being numerous water sports. And I took a look at that Decagon barn, you know, and I was like, Really? I mean, that just seemed like basically it's kind of a round barn, you know, mm-hmm. um, 10 sided. And I, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, and I had to do some research and basically they built them like that because, um, they did the hay in the middle of it and it was easier and more efficient to be able to feed. And a lot of places like in Iowa, um, they would use those round type barns because they stood up to the high winds that they had a whole lot better. So, yeah, it's just something. It's amazing what we've learned from this show, man. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, up next, this top listening city is located in the Grand Valley, bordering the Colorado River on the south and the Uncompagre Plateau on the north. Originally home to the Ute people, that's where the word came from, Uncompagre, uh, it started as a fruit-producing region. Now it is known for outdoor sports such as mountain biking, hiking, and rafting. And if you're into dinosaurs, like my granddaughter is, she went nuts the other day, dude. She was at one of those science places where they had the big, you know, uh, Armatron-type uh, dinosaur. Other kids mm. were screaming and running away, and she's like, Dinosaur! <laughs> she's just <laughs> run to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, nearby Riggs Hill is the site of hundreds of incredible dinosaur digs in Fruta, Colorado. That's right down cool. the road for me, man. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's... uh I uh, call it an hour and fifteen to the west. Oh, okay. Yeah, not not uh, too far, just outside of Grand Junction. Yeah. And then up on that plateau, Hill. man. I'm, I'm telling you what, you get up on that plateau and you're in for a world of heaven. I mean, it is just beautiful up on the uh, up on the Encompasses. So when when I Maybe. drove, we went to the um, the Western Hunt Fest. Um, guy was there and, and Bo Hitch and, you know, Armando and they, what an incredible event that was. But it was the first time I had driven from Colorado Springs to where they had this in Bailey, Colorado, Mm -hmm. had never been there before. And oh my gosh, what beautiful country, man, going through there. What a beautiful state that state is. It really is. It's unbelievable, man. That, that fruit is almost on the, on the Utah border, huh? 19 miles from Utah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. right on that on the same yeah. highway that goes to Moab, I think. Yeah, huh? just yeah. about. Yeah, it's you can hit it off the seventy. Yeah. 
All right. Last but not least, this small village is located in southwest Wyoming in the beautiful Star Valley. The valley is a grassland valley surrounded by forested mountain ranges. If you're driving through Wyo and looking for incredible food, this small village has a small but incredible number of five-star restaurants, including Jack's Drive-In, The Horseshoe Inn, Dad's Bar and Steakhouse or excuse me, Dad's Bar and Steakhouse, and Melvin's Brewing. And like so many areas in Wyoming, it's only minutes away from great hunting. Etna, Wyoming. Joe tried to throw me off putting that E in there. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that A. So, Etna, man, that, yeah. I, a, what, yeah. you can't say nothing bad about Wyoming in my opinion. No. Like, I mean, you, you, you know, you're driving and – any given moment, man, you look to your left or your right, you got herds of antelope flowing like – Flocks of birds just running the plains or giant bucks, man. It's just Wyoming is next level with it. The fishing too. I mean, it's just like unbelievable. The size fish that you catch in those rivers are unbelievable. Yeah. All right, man. Main content, y'all. Cast Absolutely. calling for elk part three. Did you hear that? Y'all, I've got to take a second from the show to tell you about the Enchantress call from Slayer Calls. This call, it gets you the most realistic bugles and cow calls I have ever heard from an external. Look, the folks at Slayer Calls designed this external call to act just like a human tongue. So literally, with the push of a button, anyone can use this bad boy to bring those puppies running. Look, if you struggle with diaphragm calls or you have a partner that's just not able to call, y'all, this right here is your ticket to sucking those bulls right on in. If you want to try the Enchantress, which they're calling the Elk Slayer now, to put me in your freezer, then just use our code. It's one word, ElkBroSlay. Again, that's the code, ElkBroSlay, on SlayerCalls.com. Um, so, uh, I'm going to start this out because this is all about presentation. So, I'm going to go to our resident expert on fishing, someone that we all love and respect, our uber successful killer on the lakes, Chav. If I was to ask, <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Uh, Give it to him, Chav. I, I had to do that. You know, the, the, what was our podcast a while ago, man? I was like, is really bass fishing a professional sport, man? What I mean? Come on, man. Ask <laughs> <Yeah>, somebody. <laughs> so, you know, let, let me ask you, dude. Why is it? that I can use the exact same lure you do. I don't care what kind of lure it is. And you're just hammering fish, and I can't catch a friggin' thing. What is the deal, man? Because you stink, Joe. I've told you this before. <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, it's no secret, uh, Joe, what our show's about. But 100% in the bass fishing world, it's all about presentation. And it mimics what we do in the elk woods so much, man. It is really about how we present the bait to the fish, right? Sometimes those fish are in a frenzy and you could, you could throw a piece of white handkerchief out there and catch them, but that's a very rare instance, right? But you're going to find that with elk too. When you got a huge breeding sequence going on and there's 
10 bulls and three, you know, 40 or 50 cows that are all popping in heat, you're going to have that scenario going on. So the presentation of that bait is going to be way different than a presentation of one single bull with five cows and he's not actually wanting to play ball, right? So totally different scenario, but it really matters on the presentation of the bait to get those finicky fish or those finicky bulls to do what we want them to do. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think that's the best way to explain what this is all about here. You know, so on the, on the first, on the first one that we had here, we talked about bait. We talked about the different sounds. We talked about the cow sounds. We talked about big animal noises. And then we explained like motivation because the motivations are the things that you have to play too. Like with those fish. Are, yeah. are, are you trying to put something by that, that bass because it's going to strike just out of uh, aggressiveness or is it because it's hungry or, you know, um, what is it that's going to trigger that instinct for that, for that critter to respond, come out of its hole and bite, right? So they have a predatory response, right? And their number one predatory response is to eat. <laughs> and when you swim something by them just the right way, you trigger that predatory response. The right. same way a bull has a response to be to breed right and you need to learn how to trigger that response for him to give you what you need to locate him and then make a move and figure out what his pulse is to you know then figure out how we're going to make a move to get him uh in a picture with you you know so there's one of the motivations and so this again i just want to briefly say those because you got to have this in your mind is that Elk's motivation is to get a response out of them, to tap their instincts so that we can get them to respond or come into us. It's either going to be the need to breed. It's going to be their herd mentality. It could be maternal instinct. It could be that that buddy time basically when they are um, each measuring each other up and, and setting that pecking order. It could be possessiveness. It could be protectiveness, and it could be just flat-out curiosity, you know, for them trying to figure out, you know, what the heck is doing that over there, and they just come to check it out. So those are the motivations that we play to. The ones that we really play to the most is going to be need to breed, maternal instinct, and herd mentality. That stuff as far as protectiveness and possessiveness really kind of – feeds in a bit to that need to breed. Now, early, early season, that um, setting up that pecking order and yeah. them guys measuring each other, that's one that we focus on a whole lot right there. So yeah, those are the motivations. And then we talked about matching bait to bull type Scenario. or motivation or situation, like what type of bull you have. And everybody thinks about a bull is just a bull out there, but you've got, you've got that buddy bull, the, those bachelor groups, you've got that destination bull and that destination bull can be um, a bull that's with cows or without cows, man. I mean, he's just, maybe he's just um, cruising and he's just advertising, right? You've got better bulls, you've got territorial bulls, you've got a timid bull, you know, you're going to have to treat him differently. Satellite bulls, which really, to me, are number one target animals. And a lot of people, again, I want to just, you know, put that thing to bed about a uh, satellite bull being a raghorn. That is not the case, <clears throat> man. You know, um, these guys that are on the wings out there have been measuring each other up all this time. And they are going to be next in line for breeding those cows when that uh, that herd bull is done. 
right? So that's something to remember that you got, you got a small bull gathering cows, you got herd bull, and then you have scenarios where you have animals across the fence or an area that you can't get to that could possibly be going nuts. So we try to match the bait to those motivation types. Now, with all of that said, just with that little bit of refresher, when we're talking about presentation, y'all, the way we present those sounds, that bait, it can have a major effect on whether or not you get a response. Okay? Yeah. And what I want to do is to explain this is to break this down into three areas of that you really have to think about in your presentation. To me, that is mechanical versus organic, understanding and relating emotion, why you use certain emotions, when you use certain emotions, and then using those things there, those emotions and um, the uh, mechanical, making things organic, using those to present a scenario. So I'm going to go for so I can just make sure we're starting fresh with that. Mechanical versus organic. It's kind of like what Gil is saying when Gil is fishing. Like if you were to watch Gilbert fish a bait and me fish a bait, so I'm basically casting that puppy out there, and then I'm reeling it in, right? You know, whereas Gil is casting that thing out there, and all of a sudden, and I'm like, what's he waiting on? He's letting it drop a little bit, and then he does a little twitch, and then he does a couple of reels. Mm. You know, it lets it sink. He does a little twitch, and he does a couple of reels. I'm like, what the heck is he doing? It's his presentation, man. He's like doing it. something that is way more natural and way more organic. Yeah. Right? So, Joe, we were fishing this past weekend, Logan and I, and it was Thanks tough. Thanks for the so, invitation. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, bro. I know where you are. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, uh, at the end of the day, I, I, I know you're t- what you're talking about, and this, is, this speaks to it highly. It's high-level stuff, too, because the electronics we have nowadays right. are crazy good, right? So we have what's called forward-facing sonar, and we were it was a tough day starting out. And I saw a school of fish on our forward-facing sonar that were – they were between 20, 25 feet and in, in the bottom. They were suspended off the bottom, right? So I threw a crankbait through them. Those fish didn't even move. And I can actually watch the fish, a school of fish sitting out there, either go down on my bait or follow my bait back to the boat. It is the craziest thing. It's almost like cheating. I wish I'd have had this stuff 20 years ago. I might have never been in the oil field. I might have still been fishing. But anyway, this stuff's so crazy. What I noticed when I threw a crankbait through them is it would scatter the school, right? They would they would break up, and they didn't want anything to do with it. So then I went and got a uh, a jig. And I threw the jig down through them. The jig f- fell a lot slower. And as it fell through them, those fish would nose down on the jig and go straight down to the bottom on the jig. And they wouldn't eat it on the fall. But the minute I hopped it one time, boom, man. I set the hook and there he'd be. But if you didn't know that to get that fish to blow up and react on that bait, to hop it like that, but it's a natural deal for that bait to be falling and bait dying, right? So a 
picture a piece of bait dying and poof, it flutters like that, that triggers that response from the fish to bite. When you get one fish to bite, they all want to bite. It triggers the school. And it's the same way with bulls. When one starts going and the pheromones get out in the woods with all of the other uh, cows in heat and bulls going off, it really sets the school off, right? right? But it is all about presentation. And when you, you did this a year or so ago, uh, it, it equated this elk hunting to bass fishing. And it made so much sense to me because mm-hmm. that's what I've done for so long, right? right? And man, it is like ding, light bulb goes off on you in your head. Yeah. And, you really got to figure out what the elk are doing, right? What pattern they are in. Same thing with fishing. We got to figure out what time of year we are, where those fish are going to want to set up. Same thing with the bulls. What time of year we're in, where they're wanting to set up with their cows. And more importantly, you know, when we're fishing for big fish in tournaments, we got to find the females. The females are a lot bigger than the males, just like the males got antlers if we want to kill bulls. I'm so glad you said that, man, because I keep telling everybody, man, elk hunting is not about finding finding bulls it's about finding, Not finding females right, right. now right. Uh, now that changes you know late october december stuff like that right um it's it's not like that early august okay but when you start getting into the rut it's about the cows everything yeah. that those that's determining what those guys are doing is about the cows now yeah. what i wanted to do with that though is you know is when we talk about your bait situation, how you do the presentation, the whole idea of every bait you see out there is to make it as realistic as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about our bait, our sounds, what differentiates or creates organic or realistic sounds? Like, you know, most people say, you know, hoochie mamas are nice, but hoochie mama goes, yeah, 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 right? It's mm-hmm. mechanical. It's you got to really thing. learn how to use that cadence, well, though. Right? But I think there's also another point of view here, uh, too, Joe, because, I mean, you say you're an incredible caller, okay? You, right. you really know how to make really good cow calls, um, you know, bugles, everything, okay? You know the whole deal. You can pretty much emulate every sound that the elk made to perfection. But if you don't have the timing right, if you don't know when to throw it, if you don't know – you know, how to pace it, um, the, the intensity you have to give it and all that stuff that you're talking about, then you may not be successful. So, I mean, that's kind of the other perspective of things, you so know, the, that we can uh, have the all purpose the of what we're doing box. tonight. Yeah. That, we have all the tools in the tackle box, yeah. but at the end of the day, if you don't know how to uh, uh, use them, apply, apply them, it, they're just, you, you know, as, as my old grandpa would say, you kind of farting in the wind. So, so there's certain areas, there's certain things that, that create organic sounds. It's tempo, rhythm, length, and time gaps is one part of it. And what do I mean by that? What is happening? Yeah. Somebody's choking the hell out of that elk. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, yeah. that, that is what you hear in the woods on public land. And I'm not trying to be offensive. I've been no, there, no, right? right? But yeah. man, it's it's not going through the toolbox or the tackle box since we're using this analogy and going, yeah. the water's this temperature, the, the water's this dirty, yeah. the water's this deep, right? I got to cover, I got to cover those things before I even select the bait, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not doing that when you're walking in the elk woods and, and kind of, you know, 
getting the temperature, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I think you said it earlier when the boys were on, right. Is, is knowing where you're at in season is one of the, in my opinion, is one of the most important things that you can do when you walk out. Guys are going to go out on here in Colorado, September 2nd, and they're going to go out and they're going to be on the trail at 430 and they are going to challenge bugle me and I'm going to mess with them and I'm going to send them two miles in the wrong direction. Right. <laughs> because it's like, you're doing it. With the dog, wind in my- you. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, you're doing it with the wind in my face. And what are you doing? And, and honestly, like I took, I, I take it personal when I'm on the mountain, I don't want to mess up anyone's hunt. Right. So that means that I can't go out screaming a fool. Yeah. I'm yeah. messing somebody else's opportunity up. If I do that, I got to know what's going on in that environment at, in that moment. Absolutely. You got to take the temperature. Now, take and, the temperature. And, and for us, like, and, and I'm going to take it to like, um, Defcon cow call. Yeah. I'm going to take it to cow calls and we're just going to talk <laughs> about take. making cow calls organic. As the bait, right? Because like I've been working with guys right now and some of my guys are, you know, they're just trying to get a cow call. So they're, you know, so they do that over and over again and they're getting it. But when then I try to tell them is, look, you got to be more realistic now. You got to be more organic. And they're like, well, how do I do that? Well, it has to do with tempo, has to do with rhythm has to do with length, and has to do with time gaps. Now, what do I mean by those? You know, the tempo is, like you did just a little bit of a chuckle. A chuckle has a tempo to it, right? Okay? Um, a cow, when they talk or when they're doing, when they're pleading, it has a little bit of a rhythm to it. And then those cow calls have different lengths. You've got... You know, you have different stuff that has lengths. And then when they, they're just not pounding it, those types of, um, vocalizations, they're not just doing, now if one's going in and it's just doing a pleading mew going to a bull, yes, it's going to be over and over and over again. But if they're just in that herd or just three or four of them talking, there's going to, you're going to hear, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then nothing. You know, you might just hear, yeah, yeah, over to a side. Right. And then you let that rest. I, I call it marinating. You got to leave that in the air so that you leave it natural. You just don't want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. OK, so there there needs to be time gaps. There needs to be a rhythm so that like, for example, when we go out and we're doing our chumming, it's like. And that's it. Right. So what you heard there was you heard one call. And then almost back to back to give a little bit of um, volume overlap, right? Okay, as a number of number of elk, not just one person, right? So when we talk about tempo, rhythm, length, it's like being able to um, change the length of that call. Same thing with bugles. Same thing with bugles, man. Not all bugles are a long location bugle. Some of them are only one, 1.5 seconds, you know? In fact, most of them, when they're going through the trees and stuff, they're one, 1.5 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Very short, right? Um, so that's the thing. And if you want to get tempo, rhythm, length, and time gaps, 
and and you know Luis brought up a point. It's like, well, Joe, not everybody calls like that. Well, you don't have to, but believe it's it or not. not, all you need is to be able to do that single cow call. But then you're going to shorten it or you're going to lengthen, lengthen it. it, and that's Open just your mouth, close your mouth. Yeah, yeah, or pushing a little more from that diaphragm to get it out. You know, just doing it really quick with the diaphragm to get a good chirp. You yeah. know, so I'm like. And and you'll hear cows going through the woods just like that all the time. Yeah. They want to know each other back. And it gets a little longer, a little bit more there, right? And that's just like pushing from the stomach. Or I can actually take that up. And get those, pitched. And get those calf calls in there, right? Same thing, just taking it up. So Joe, is that a is that a Elbrose grinder pink edition? Uh, well, <laughs> friend, what's, what's and, going and, on there? And, and we're not going to say pink right now. I think that's a chartreuse right now. Because, no, oh, that's, sure. that's fuchsia. That's fuchsia. fuchsia. Yeah. Fuchsia. Oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, it's oh, a proto- it's a that's prototype. A grinder. We, we are already <laughs> testing out our prototype because uh-huh. this is going to be. The mate to the grinder. This is going to be the sugar, man. Sugar. The sugar, man. It's going to be a cow call so sweet. We're going to call it sugar. I like it. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, good deal. we're actually uh, Joe, on, that, on that latex. Uh, Joe, when you say rhythm, uh, there may be some <laughs> listeners out there that misinterpret that, that term because mm-hmm. it implies something mechanical. You know, when you say rhythm, so we'd right. say the lack of rhythm is what yeah. you really need. Okay. Yeah. yeah not yeah. rhythmic, right? Not. Well. Not see, rhythmic. That's mm-hmm. even more of a tempo. Yeah. So yeah, right. you 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 want differentiated tempo. You want some differentiated rhythm. You want some differentiated lengths, and you want time gaps. I guess yeah, that, that is a great way to say it. Yeah, that's a good observation. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Now the other thing is direction. If you want to make things realistic, you can use your grunt tube, you can use your your hand, you can turn your head, <laughs> and you can put things in different directions. And when you All do it, it's shorter, longer, a little, you know, wow. just change some of those things that are going on there, right? Um, what are some other ways that you can change things to seem more realistic? Volume, intensity, depth, volume control. Man. You don't you don't hear elk moving through the woods, especially at any number, without hearing twigs break. I'm no, huge. no doubt they're loud critters, man. Typically, typically before yes. I make any sound, I'm a find I'm a walk a little bit. I'm a find at least a couple branches and I'm a snap them, and then I'm a start introducing the vocalizations. Whenever we start making noise, we're we're chirping because that's how cows are going to sound when they're coming through the woods. So uh, there'll be a lot of times when we're walking through the noisy forest, and you know we're going to be tromping around just like elk do. We're going to be sounding off together, but it'll be two or three of us if we can call, then both of us will call. And it'll be throwing a call over here, throwing a call over there, one down here, one little moan, right? I mean, just a lot of that herd mentality talk. And then all of a sudden, it's like, uh-oh, 
he's saying, come on over here, let bring the herd, right? Yeah, so, or they sneak in on you, man. I mean, exactly. that's our favorite early season tactic yeah. is to just walk through the woods chumming with cow calls, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you got to be alert when you do that. But so, <laughs> so think about when we're talking about presentation, we're talking about how to make things sound more organic, more realistic when we do that. Not just to be the same old repetitive story, not just cranking out, you know, the straight cow. Now, there's a time and a place. Like if I am doing a uh, a lost cow, lost cow, lost calf, yeah. right? I am just like, yep. Yeah, but even I'm, that, even that, you're not being mechanical. I mean, you you yeah. threw in a, a couple, you know, yeah, and then at the same time, that's a, that's a it, you get, that's different intensity as well, right? You know, so yes, there is persistence, but yeah, it's but not a like mechanical persistence. But right, there's right. desperation in that too. Man. Yeah, exactly. You can tell she's like, "Oh my yeah. god, hey, what's move. going on? I'm lost. I'm lost. What's happening? You, you Where are you all at? We, you remember the calf we called in? I mean, that calf was by itself, couldn't find its mama, and all we did was make a couple of cow calls and meh, 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 thing like to mm-hmm. ran us mm-hmm. over, man. Mm-hmm. It had no, it had no fear of us once whatsoever. Once it uh, got in two there. of them, yeah, yeah, two of them, exactly. Yeah, so, it, yeah. So that that's what we're trying to do to tell people. And I mean, you do the same thing with <laughs> the bugles, man. So when when I'm when I'm doing stuff with with bull sounds. You know, I'm, I'm getting someone just that going on, just, you know, and it, mm-hmm. you know, it can be short. It can be without the, at the beginning where, you know, or without the deep part of it at the end. You know, I can, I can crank those in, in different ways. Wow. Totally different than anything I've just done, right? And, and by having fun and and feeling, and that's where we kind of go into the next area is like not only with the tempo, the direction, the volume, but it's about understanding and relating emotion. And I think that is like one of the top ways of making things realistic. You got to watch emotion though. We, we, we have to watch emotion because emotion has led me down the wrong path more than <laughs> times, man. Get home to the chuckle fast, huh? But, but no, you're but thinking the, emotion just of like angry type stuff, right? No, but, but no. what happens, Joe, what happens is you get out there, right? And you, and you, you're talking, you start talking and you lose focus. You start getting wrapped up. In this, in the fest. this call fest, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, and and you and you lose your s, right? You yeah. really, really do. So you have to, yes, you want to in, inflect emotion into the call, but you do not want to get emotional in the process, right? And, right. and too many times we get emotional in the process and we blow the situation. Either we're not uh, we're saying the wrong thing, or we get too dang excited and we send them suckers running off the other. Yeah. Way. I agree. And I think, I think, I think we want to say the same thing. And I, I get what you're saying because it's very true. Um, but I think what Joe is probably trying to say is 
being able to relate to their emotion. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and, I agree and, with that. I just wanted to make a and point. And be able that to, is. like, depending on how they're acting, then you impersonate the picture you want to paint and then transmit that emotion as you, as if you're part of that painting. There, but uh, right there. It takes no one You gotta yeah. stay out of your feelings. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. You, you've gotta, you've gotta, uh, play the part. It just, just, it's like, it's like you become this actor, you know, and you can't get out of the role. You know what I mean? But, and yeah, that goes back to what you're saying. That. Like I said, you get sucked into that so oh, quick so because quick. everything is, Everything's lucid and fluid, and man, you you having this this discussion with this bull instead of you running up there and putting an arrow in him, man. You know, it, it really, it's really, you want to keep talking to the yeah. guy. You become oh, friends with him. I, I got him. You know what? I like you, dude. I got him, man. I got this sucker going. And then he's like, ten minutes into it, you're like, well, he ain't getting any closer. Matter of fact. Crap, he's a good dude, like he's man. Going, yeah, crap. He sounds like he's going further away. Nope. Sherlock, there's a reason for that, you know. You you fired him up and put one of them big gnarly bugles in his uh-huh. in his path, and now he's like, sisters, let's head north, right? Because yeah, this dude's on my six, you know. Instead <laughs> yeah. of whining and cow calling your way right into his yeah. life and putting a freaking shiv in him. The, the, so, best so way, oh, the best way to solve that from not happening is to always let that bull escalate. You know, instead of you, instead of you trying to force the issue, because we're kind of like, and and this is what guy's talking about is we actually put our pride and our own testosterone into the situation. And and we're like, that guy sounds off. We're like, come on, boy. Get out here right here. Here's your day. Hey dude, I was, I was in a bugle fest with this bull. And I'm up there, right? And I'm all excited. I'm like, who's your daddy? And he bugled. I, and I'm just having a hell of a good time, you know? And it's oh, like, wow, man, that's so, it's so stupid, but it's so fun, man. But you have to be, you have to be strategic about what you do. There has to be a plan of action. And what you're trying to do is you're anything that you do, you're trying to actually get that bull. You're trying to warm him up. You're trying to lather him up. You're trying to get a burr yeah. under him. And, you know, even if to even if it came to the point where that bull is like coming in and he's trying to demonstrate and you want to go over top, you want to smack him in the face. It doesn't mean that you have to do it with a with a a bigger voice than him, all you got to do is just cut him off. But Joe, part of that problem is solved by some of the things that we say every time. It's like ignoring the bull we want to bring in, right? I mean, if we, if we are, if we are creating that scenario and that spot to where this is what I want to paint, but I'm here ignoring that guy, then you detach yourself from the emotion that that guy is giving you and kind of put yourself in the role of painting what you got in front of you. You know what I mean? That's Maybe that helps because you're not at the bull. The only thing is at some point, if I am actually being realistic, if I am doing an, what an actual elk would do, there's going to be a point where that bull's going to get in that now yes. I have to engage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. What Luis is saying, right, kind of brings everything full circle in my head. It's presence of mind as we're going through these Mm -hmm. these calls, these sequences. It's about presence of mind. So what Luis said, I 110% agree with. 
Because I'm telling you, man, I, I've lost more than I've won, and it's because I'll get wrapped up in, you know, that fest. I just have, I just have one heck man, of a time. We're just it. talking about it. I'm getting the the but, freaking emotions yeah, right now because I'm getting excited. <laughs> I'm imagining myself up there just going back and forth with it. I want to so get it out the now, thing, though, man. <laughs> yeah. So we're, so we're won the, switch, huh? I was going to say he won the battle but lost the war. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so Chav and I had won a battle, okay? And this really keyed me in to understanding elk behavior and what they like and what they don't like. We actually went back to look for my hat where after we'd won the war, right? And we didn't right. have a bow in our hand. And we walked up on a herd of elk feeding in this little park. And I'm talking about a big herd of elk with lots of bulls and lots of cows. And those bulls were chuckling and going off and this, that, and other. Well, I just decided we were going to join the party, right, and speak elk. Brother, I, could, <laughs> I what I did was when I introduced a big bull – those other bulls were like, holy crap, man, there is a big bull back here. And all the cows came to me, right? They all came within 30, 40 yards of us stomping around looking, where in the hell is that big sucker, right? The bulls yeah. are all hanging back, <laughs> chuckling, right? So I chuckle right back. <laughs> and they're wanting me to come out and show, and so are the cows. But it was an hour worth of me talking to elk, wild elk, and listening to the so cows cool. calling and stuff like that. But I've really not been able to lay eyes on them and see exactly what – and these are big bulls, man. They're way bigger yeah. than the bull I killed, man. <laughs> you know, I'm talking big ones. And uh I told Chav, I said, we're going to sit here and I'm going to soak this in, man, and yes, really sir. understand yeah. that sets them apart. When you Dude, can do that, that right there. powerful. Yeah. That, that right there, I don't. Who the hell was I talking? I don't even know. Maybe it was Joe. I doing somebody else podcast lately. <laughs> I'm who the hell now? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotta be in Jermaine Hodge because y'all talked a bunch about yeah. this with so Jermaine. Set, so being able to set down and just say, "Hey, I'm gonna watch this yes. for the sake of the Thinking learning experience and soaking it in." I, you, if you can do that, 25 minutes. Out your entire seven, 10, 20 days on the mountain. If you just spend 25 minutes doing that and yeah, just observe went, everything, man, so it is much. a absolute game changer on that mountain, man. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead. 
the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. But I, I want to I tell you what the problem is with the conversation right now is we make the same mistake right now that most people do, and that's going, we talk emotion and we go immediately bull-oriented. Yeah, when, and it shouldn't be. And and there's so many emotions that cows do <clears throat> to be able to regather a group or to or like if they're pleading or if they're saying I'm lost or if they're sweet talking or if they're they are showing different emotions. And they mm-hmm. do that by and and you know, we teach people that you can do it with voice inflection, you can do it with again level of volume length of what the call is you can do it with all of these different methods so you know remember that emotion is not just about the bull you know again that bull is trying to if if i'm giving him if i'm being a lover before a fighter and i get an answer from a bull and that bull is then demanding for me to come to him you know i've got to either go to him or I got to give him a reason why I'm not so that he comes in. And then I've got to determine now, is this a bull that has cows with him? Well, he's probably not going to leave that group to, depending on the situation. I got to wait for a better situation. But, at, you know, when we talk about emotion, you know, we can be um, pleading and demanding as a cow, just as you can be demanding as a bull or you can be warning as a bull, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same as me and you talking, Joe, and I want you to come over here, okay? Uh-huh. Joe, Joe, come over here. Joe, hey, why don't you come over here? Joe, <clears throat> Joe, get over here. Yep. Joe, Joe, I need you here right now, Joe. Right? Totally ah, different. Ah, totally different. Right? You start getting that demand to it, right? You know, they add that voice inflection to it. And... It's exactly what you're saying, Gil. I mean, or even to us, like, it's even like, where is everybody? Where hey, are you? Yeah, I'm lost. Somebody help me, man. Yeah. You know? Desperation. Uh, you, can hear yeah. it in their, you can hear it in their voice. Absolutely. It so makes Joe, a where huge do you different how we, how we, how we deal with the situation. Th- that really is about presentation, right? Exactly. What the what the elk are doing, how how they're sounding off, or what what stage they're in, really depicts the presentation of our cow call, the presentation of our calf call, the presentation of any type of bull sound that we're gonna you know incorporate. Or are we even gonna do that? Are we just gonna do some huffs and pants, maybe some glunk glunks where we're raking on a tree? I mean that early season stuff is really, you know, where we're gonna be hunting in a few days, that's gonna be money, right? Because they're not gonna be in full ramped up mode 
we don't think, right? But when we get there, it'll be going ape shit. And who knows? Playing, you're you playing know? to that motivation, yeah. man. What is the motivation that you're playing to? You were going to ask something there, guy? Yeah. So what, what I would like to hear, and, and I'm sure a lot of folks was, is how do you make that transition? Right. So say a guy's running, you know, he's call it, we, we call it ridge running, right? He's, he's calling, he's sending out that locate and he's getting responses, but he's not getting anything but that there's a point where you have to reach back in the tackle box going, you know, and, and, and try and switch it up to, to get the response or the action that you desire. So if he's running and he's locating and he's getting responses and nothing's happening, where does that transition come in? So um, the the number one issue that, like, when we're coaching our guys, we had all of our guys on, they're, the biggest concerns of them are, number one, finding out, and the other one is is how to respond when they get a response, right? <laughs> so I simplified it for them. First of all, when you get a response, if that response is beyond 200 yards, if it's 300 yards, 400 yards, your distance. first response is you're cutting the distance. You're checking the wind and you're cutting the, the distance. And I, and I tell these guys, man, so as you're doing that and you're checking the wind, you're trying to see if you have your onyx with you, man, you take that onyx, you turn it on and man, it has that directional thing that you can turn it. You can turn that direction right to where you heard that sound and you can give a guesstimate of where that animal is by looking at how everything is on your on your onyx as far as your terrain you can kind of give an idea and you pop that waypoint right you pop that right then so now you have if even if you have to go to get the wind corrected you know where that came from and you know basically like you're saying okay i want to get within 200 you say once i get within 200 i should be able to do something 150 if it's thicker 100 if it's really really thick right so you're going to cut that distance because you've had that animal respond but it's proximity you know i'm far away so right now i'm like that fart in the wind that gilbert's talking about i'm just another animal saying oh i'm over here you know that's all we're doing and i'm not anyway engage with that animal other than saying i'm another elk over here and i'm not just announcing to that bull it's a, as a bull when i hear that i know that that bull is announcing to other cows oh, yeah. that he's in the area so i'm announcing and advertising my presence as well so i'm going to go cut that distance on there now once i cut that distance what did he respond to if he responded to a location bugle but he wasn't constantly coming back like you said he's not just you know coming right back at it well i'm going to go over there and I'm going to test the waters, and I'm going to throw out just a nice little easy cow call. That's I'm going to start lover before I start a fight, you know, before I'm a fighter. So I'm putting out that cow call, and I'm trying to see what I'm going to get with that, right? If I get nothing with that, well, I'm going to continue to play that up a little bit to see if I can amp up the response by now creating a scenario. I'm not yeah. going to engage that bull because he doesn't want to engage with me. Right. But I think that bull is in the area still. Now, depending <clears throat> on what time of year, what's going on, time of day, there's a lot of variables with that. But my first response is get in there, cut the distance, get there. Now put a call in the air. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I'm going to do a light one. I might even now go a little bit louder out there. And then I might, instead of going right with a bugle because if I think he's in there, I might introduce a rake to see what I get from him, yep. right? Because remember, with a rake, they have no Slam. idea how big the bull is. Yep. They don't have a clue, right? Joe, hey, this is so good because I think all of us, me included, 
have been the guy that, oh, man, we got a bull, but he's 600 yards away, 500 yards away, 400 yep. yards away, and we want to stay put and talk to him, right? And the, the meat of what we're saying is you got to get in there. Yep. You got to get in with that 200 yards before you ever make another sound. You got him to sound off. Now it's about putting your boots together and getting in there, using the wind, getting in there. Don't just stand there and talk to him because all you're doing is alerting him even more to your presence and that now he's guarded, right? He knows exactly when you make a sound, he knows exactly where you're at, right? He, he's, he, chances are he's got cows with him. And at the end of the day, he's going to have his defenses up, especially if this is, Mid season, right? If he's mid, mid September and he's already had some boys, you know, in the woods and the scent's been in the woods the whole night. These, these critters are so smart. They stay alive because everything out there is trying to kill them, you know? So for us, it's a, the nugget is get in there within that 200 yards before you make any other. And, and I tell you, if I think he has cows with him, I'm probably throwing a calf call in the air first, man. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm doing like a little cow, uh, lost and calf listen. going in there and, and listening for that herd talk. Yeah, and know. trying to and trying to hear what I'm going to get. Am I going to hear some cows out of that? If I'm hearing cows and I heard a bull before, I'm not going to worry about it, man. I've got maternal instinct I can play off right now. If those cows are wanting to start to talk or cows are going to come towards me on that or if they're going to slow down so I can move in, now I can get in there and I can actually start introducing other sounds and create other scenarios. I can test the water. I can tip my <laughs> You know, dip my toe in the water and find out, well, is that bass interested in this or is he interested in this or what's going to get his interest up? You know, and, and believe let's me, if you hunting with Joe, you better have your boots ready to roll because he'll run right in the middle of the herd. and He don't give a dang. You could be dying. He's in the middle of the herd. He don't care. That's the beauty of this. You got to get in the middle of the game, Joe. You've I, got uh, to get in there in their house. I know? hate I hate the fact of. Hearing an animal going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then, you, then there's no more. Like they've gone over a ridge and they've disappeared. Because all we did was sit there and I feel like, oh, he's engaging right. with me because he's You're calling. Right. No, he's not, man. He's telling his cows, you know. Look <laughs> yeah, he's talking to the herd. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that transition that you're talking about with those sounds is basically – um, really waiting on the reaction and the response of what I get from them, guy. So yeah. if I go in and I cut that distance and I give out that calf call and I get a bull that bugles off of that, right? You know, if he now tells me to go into him, you know, he's demanding that. Now I have choices there as well, again, depending on what's happening with the terrain, what's happening with the vegetation, what's happening with the wind, right? What's happening with the day? Is he? Are they already close to where their bedding area is? Or are they still in destination? Because if they're in destination, I don't even have to say a whole lot right now. I can just, because if I think they're in destination moving, I'm yeah. going to get on the downwind parallel side because I want to be able to move with them and not lose them. And then when they get to bed, now I'm really in a better calling situation, right? Now, if it's early first thing in the morning and he responds and I close the distance and it's like, like first 15, 20 minutes after daylight, totally different deal. 
totally yeah. different because I have the opportunity to kill that bull right there, especially if he starts engaging and he starts demanding for me to come to him. Now I can actually introduce other sounds, other scenarios. Joe, how would, how would he do that? How would he engage you to tell you to come to him? How would he do that? This is money. Okay. He's just going to give me that, you know, here, uh, you know, lip ball, add some voice. He's just going to, he's just going to just tell me to come to him. He's going to display. All right. It can be a little longer than that. He might even, um, you know, and we Mark. had a debate on this the other day on a chuckle, right? We had a debate on this on the chuckle. The chuckle is like, it's so funny. All of us have different <clears throat> ways that we think of a chuckle. Like, to me, a chuckle's an invitation. It's a passive call. It is. Yeah, to me, come on. Right? Yeah. But yet, I've heard people say that, like, a chuckle um, will, you know, get a bull, like, upset at you and come in. But, well, I don't I don't know if that's the case. I, I still think I'm like, inviting. Eagle. But I tell people to really not necessarily go to a chuckle unless a other bull is chuckling. You know, I kind of like mimic with that. Mm -hmm. But if if I get that booger and he's demanding where he's like just. And he does that at me. Now I know, man, as soon as I does a cow call when he does that, that that bull is engaged. He's telling me to come to him. Right. Okay. Now, when I hear that and, and, and I hear that he wants me to go to him. I'm not going to answer at all right away. Never engage with a bull right after he's called, unless you're being a bull that's cutting him off. That's when you do it right after. But as soon as I do, like, uh, if I'm a cow and he does that and I start mewing at him right away, now he is absolutely expecting me to come to him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, now if I wait and I, and this is that time thing, that time lapse, and then I do that cow call again and he goes back out, and he's in the same position, still demanding me for for me to be there. Now I introduce a bull. I got to give him a reason why I'm not there, or I need to go to him. I need to continue to go to him. Or if I'm doubled up with a partner, you know, we can we can where the partner starts to go to him, then the partner shuts up, and then I become that calf or cow behind him. Right. right? Can, and you can you can introduce uh, the assembly mute. And that, that's, it's phenomenal in that, in that situation, right? I'm a little bit hesitant to move because I can't pinpoint him. I'm going to hit him with an assembly. And, and if he responds, I'm going to hit him more demanding with the assembly mew than he hit me with his call, yeah. right? And he's going, he, if he's not cowed up, if it's early or he's searching for cows, he is going to come in. Respond, right? yeah. yeah. If he doesn't have cows. If he does have cows and you start doing that assembly mew, you probably don't get beat out. <laughs> yeah, there's a chance. Yeah. Now, the other thing that you can do with that is you can be, if he has cows, you can become bigger than him. Yeah. You know, yeah. you try to be, I mean, now it's fight or flight because mm-hmm. if you're going to go to a bull sound, you better go to something that his cows are going to be attracted to because they're not going to be attracted to another little weenie. Then he's not going to be concerned about it because that's the sat- same satellites that he's been dealing with buzzing around. But if you act bigger than him and that's hard to do, to sound bigger than another actual bull, but we've done it and actually start to pull cows our way, displaying at those cows, not talking to the bull, talking to the cows, cows. displaying at his cows, sounding like a big gnarly bull. Man, then 
he either has to put up or shut up, right? He's either going to hook and run or he's got to come into you. If he hooks and runs, depending on what time of day it is, they're only going to run so far, go over the ridge, and they're going to find another betting spot, right? Mm-hmm. So you just got to continue to work that. You're not running them out of the country. They have no idea that you're another hunter, right? You're just another elk, and they expect other elk to smell those cows and to deal with the herd bull, right? And That's- if the cows come in and you have a tag of any elk – they get the bullet. Absolutely. Well, yes, or that bull <laughs> follows them, man. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, yeah, yeah. if 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 we got an opportunity, or equal opportunity. Uh, you know, I struggle. I, I, I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I struggle during the rut when I have a bull <clears throat> that's well. sounding off to shoot a cow. I struggle with that myself. I don't. I'm not shooting a cow. <laughs> I want bone on the head, buddy. <laughs> I want I'll meat pass in the a, freezer at this point. I, I did, a, the, you know, I, I did want the the bull initially, but I mean that's that check mark has checked, and and at yeah. this point, I just yeah, everybody gets in their own, you know. It depends uh, on the day for me. If it's day two, yeah, day it, one, everybody gets yeah. in their own way. Oh yeah, they're hunting in their yeah. hunting. Uh, that's the beauty prowess, of it, right? But, but then, that, no, it's not even about prowess. Right. It, it's the beauty of it being your hunt. One hundred percent. You know, your journey. I, I, yeah, you get. Bro, you're looking at a guy who passed. Lots of bulls to kill oh, yeah, we've the had bull. A conversation. Yeah, lots and made guys absolutely incensed, yeah. you know. But <laughs> for me now, I've killed a bunch of bulls, and I, you know, if a cow gets in my way, I'm getting her. You know, I, I love to eat elk meat. My family does too. Uh, I just seem to sometimes get in the middle of bulls that are with cows and I'm drawn to shooting the bull if I get an opportunity. So, uh, and look, I've been so blessed to have callers on my side with me and I've been able to pull off a few things myself, you know, along the way. And it's been beautiful, but it's because I've learned how to speak the language the last five, seven years. Right. And it, it's, and really uh, when you learn how to speak the language and understand what these, motivations or situations are like a buddy bull or a destination bull, you know, Joe, we can dive right into that and you help our listeners understand what a buddy bull is, you know, what a destination bull is and how to treat that. I'll give you a a, a really cool example. Um, It just, and here's what's so neat about technology for the last two days, a buddy of mine, Shane Rasmussen, a listener, he's up hunting in Utah and he's actually texting me during his hunt, man. So he's up in this area, and he's going through, and he was actually planning on going to another spot, and he bumps, and he sees two bulls. He's got one bull in this clearing, a nice bull, and he's got another bull over here, and he hears mewing down below, right? And he's thinking that he's got two bulls with cows down there. And actually, and when those mews are going on, that bull over there could care less about the mews. Well, it, bulls. it was bull muse that he was <laughs> right? Yeah. He had a bachelor group of, of bulls. So that's where that, that's where those muse in that early season, when you're moving through, especially doing it through a tube or doing it just a little bit. And some of those muse that those bulls do when they're close, especially with cow, are very, very light. But when they're checking for each other, it's a little bit louder, a little bit deeper type of mew, right? So, 
Here's what happens is, is those bulls end up walking into the timber and he loses track of the bulls. So he's like thinking, well, there's a spring. Now this is at 9.30, 9.30, I think. There's a spring like a mile and a half away. And he's like, I think they might be going to the spring. Now, 9.30, 10 o'clock, group of bachelor bulls, early season. How far are they going? They're not. They're not. They're not. They're basically in the area they're in. They had the dark timber on one side on the north side. They had right up on top where they had open areas to feed. They're going to fool around, mess around. They're going, just, yeah, just, they're going to go bed in the timber. They're going to come back out to feed. They're going to find yeah. their water, and they're just going to go back and forth like that. And and so I was like, Shane, I really think that they're still right around in the area, right? So um, he started to uh, put on a scenario, and – <laughs> about 20 and, and i didn't see that you know how life is you're doing stuff during the day well he had texted me and i didn't see the text and he says well i did it for about 20 minutes no response i think they're gone i think i blew them out and i'm like no dude 20 minutes, minutes ain't enough it's not enough yeah time. they're they're hearing you right and then as i see he had put another <clears throat> text that they sh- he showed up right but the bull showed up Ooh, yeah. he actually kind of circled to his downwind side caught his whiff and he went out of there right so um he was like well man you think all these elk are gone i'm like i don't think so man that one maybe you know? but not the rest yeah of them. yeah i think you got a group of bulls in there you know some satellites and stuff i think they're there and sure enough so he got so that the wind was right waited till the afternoon came in there and they were still in that area so that just kind of shows you like what happens with you know like um that that buddy bull type stuff right yeah. that at that time they're not really testosterone's not up. They're not moving a whole lot. They're not cruising. They're not looking for cows yet. They're not in that mode, right? And I told him I was like, are they, they want to be around them? Yeah, they are they sounding so off? They He's them. like, no, they're not talking. I'm yeah. like, Perfect. that tells you something. I said, dude, yeah. as soon as those bulls start singing, they're going to yeah. start moving. They're they're not they're going to go and they're they're <clears> actually <throat> going to be advertising looking for cows as they're going. Right. Actually, easier to kill that buddy bull in that bachelor group when they're not. You know, all, all you've got I, to do is just act like a cow, and they want to be around a herd. You know? Well, and you all you got to do is act like another bull, man. You just do yeah. those little mews out there, and they'll come. You do some raking. Yeah. They, and and that's what that bull was doing, coming in to check out the raking, right? Mm-hmm. But something had happened that made that bull go check. So if he'd have been doing that and had a shooter on his downwind side, that's a dead bull, right? You know, if well, you're in a well, Joe, wouldn't wouldn't you say? I mean, because they're they're going to be visual first, right? Right. I would I would ask Shane what you know what what was your position? What did that look like? Those bulls, man. I mean, you know, we always we we tend to project what we think they can see because of right. what we can see and what yeah. they can hear and what they can smell because of what we can see, smell and hear. Mm-hmm. But we don't ask ourselves, what can they, did he come through and catch me right here or didn't see an elk? So once he didn't see an elk decided that I'm going to move around and try and win this new guy that's walking into, you know, our, our group here. My like house. I don't know who this dude is, so let me go around now and see if I can smell Larry or or Big yeah. O, you know, yeah. on that downwind side. So I would it goes back to what we were saying earlier, cut that distance, right? You knew they were there. Cut that distance and get a little bit closer in there uh and, and survey the landscape a little bit more. 
Yeah, I th- I think he felt like he was within hundred yards of that of that bull, and so that's why he started doing the you know doing scenario. a little scenario, mm-hmm. and and the scenario was working. I don't know. Again, you're not there, so I don't know what terrain yeah. he picked. I don't mm-hmm. know if he like put it on an edge where the animal is going to want to go deeper to get around to check out. You you know, there's so many variables to that that could happen. It could have been all in how he set up, or it could have been that the bull did come in to check visually, saw movement from where he was raking a tree or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't look quite right, so now he's like coming around because the eyes and the ears are are seeing but they're not defining it so now he's going to use his nose to try to define it right yeah maybe he saw him maybe he saw him say oh well these are juvenile bulls they're not mature bulls and maybe i'm not going to take one of these you know and, and, and that was part of it. I remember him saying that, that, you know, there's some of these smaller bulls. I'm, you know, I know that there's a bigger one, so I'm not going to mess with them, right? And he also, there was another cool comment that he came up with was that all I've seen is bulls. I haven't seen any cows, right? And so what I told him was this. And, and, you know, if I'm somebody that says, all I see is bulls, I don't see cows, here's what you got to think. Well, number one, you're in the bulls. <laughs> so, yeah, you the found, bulls, uh, <laughs> found the bulls, you know, babe. Yeah. Um, but you gotta understand, at some point, they're gonna start moving from there and cruising to go find the cows. At that point, you know, that's when it's gonna be more important to know where the cows are. Right. You know, at that mm-hmm. point. So, mm-hmm. there's some of those things that, that go into that, right? Um, yeah. you know, like when we talk about an advertising bull scenario, it's what we do sometimes to create activity. So, if I've got bulls that are not and and they should be being active and we're not hearing anything and I think I'm seeing from the sign and stuff. Well, I will actually do things to create activity. I will be the bull. I will be an advertising bull. I will start moving up on a ridge and I'm doing those advertising bugles as I'm going. I'm throwing out some cow chirps, cow mews, different places as I'm moving up. Just creating and uh and sending out a message to every bull and every cow in the area that there's a bull advertising for cows as I go. So I'm either going to pull cows to me or I'm going to pull bulls to me that want to see the cows that I'm pulling. Or they're going to advertise and give away their position, right? So there's multiple things can happen. In fact, look, y'all, I'm going to tell you one of my specialties is or one of my signature calls is a double bugle, right? I use a double bugle that goes kind of like this. It'll go just like that. And what I'm what I'm doing when I do that is to other bulls in the area, it sounds like one bull engaging another bull. Okay? It sounds like one bull cutting off another bull. And I did that one time trying to get Chab to come in like obnoxiously for like 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, trying to get Chab to come help me take a bull out. In that amount of time, I called in four bulls that came into that. And it's because I was two bulls engaged with each other. So these bulls are coming in to see those bulls that are engaged with each other. You know, they're trying to check out the pecking order. They're trying to see what's going on in that area. They, you know, it's just like being in a school and somebody yelling, fight, right? You know, everybody wants to go check out what it is. So, you know, as an advertising bull, when I'm trying to be the bull and I'm moving up, 
I am doing elk things to yeah. attract other elk. Okay. Yeah. I, I can do it from one location. I can be just like a bed of bull that's up there just advertising ever so often, just sending out that bed bugle, right? And all I'm doing is saying, here I am, here I am, come on. Or, you know, here I am, I'm going to be coming down from here later, let's meet up down here at the bottom of the hill as I'm heading to the feed, y'all, right? So, (laughs) you know, yeah, you know, so when we talk about those scenarios we are taking everything we've just been talking about and we are presenting it in ways either with emotion or you know without emotion and start to add emotion and start to get that up a little bit right Mm -hmm. um you know and and you know guys like well when do you turn on the switch you know when do you change over from being passive to being aggressive when they'll tell you when you need to do that. It's all about gauging the response of the bulls. The morning I killed, we were those two herds we were in between, uh, Joe, the morning I killed that giant bull, those bulls, as they were pushing those cows up, were so worked up that I didn't need to say a word. I actually got in the middle of them. The wind was right. I had a cow at like 12 yards. All I did was cow call three or four times, and those bulls just went crazy. I bugled one time, a really hard, just like the bull that was coming, and that was it, dude. He was incensed. He went like three bugles in a row, just hammering every step, bugling every step, and then I see him coming over that ridge, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude. He is now thinking there's another bull that's coming from the bottom, me, coming from the bottom to engage his cows, and now he's super pissed off, right? Mm-hmm. And he was. And it's so protective and possessive. Big time. Mm-hmm. So I arrow that bull, and he, he he dies 55 feet from where we shoot him, and we call in. How many more bulls did we call in that morning, chap? Oh, with, <laughs> with the same mentality. A few yeah, little cow calls, one hard bugle, and they just Bum rush us, man. I mean, come in there and damn near run me and Chav over several times, you know. But, but if you remember, too, you were actually in a transition area where a lot of bulls were coming up from one area. And and they had done that. They had all gotten within proximity of each other, but not staying in each other's presence, moving up through that corridor. So as soon as we introduced another mean bull in the mix, that blew the whole situation up and all the bulls started getting frenzied, you know? So anytime, and then all I needed to do was make a little cow sound and think, Oh, well, there's another cow over here. And they just come running in there on us, man. What, it was crazy. Gil, what, mm-hmm. what time of September was that? Uh, September the 4th or 5th or 4th, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I think that as we talk scenarios, it, it's important for us to absolutely. Specify when we're seeing this, right? I haven't hunted the second. I haven't hunted the second split guy in probably seven. So when he says that, he means from the fifteenth on. We haven't hunted that in a long time. We're generally we're generally from the first through the the tenth, right? About so that so that's even more important, right? Because if you listen to you know folks, a lot of folks are like, "Hey, this this is the time." You know, the seventeenth to the twenty first. That's that's your hot ticket item right there. But we could have these responses like Gil's talking about 
in that in the first split. Absolutely. The season there, right? right. So it's, oh my gosh. Pretty it's crazy. Gonna, I find that especially there's a lot of those young bulls that once they start testing their voices and everything like that, there and then you have a, a, a cow come in early. We usually find us a, a rut happening around the second or the fourth, and then things quiet down a little bit until you start getting around the ninth or the tenth. And that doesn't mean you can't bring them in. It just means that, you know, you don't have any cows in estrus or they're just not being as boisterous out there. So and You know, Joe, I think it happens. This is just my own observation as I'm going around looking at elk herds across the United States right now. The wetter areas seem like they're sounding off earlier than the drier areas, right? And it's been my observation. It may just be BS, but everything that I've been studying, it it is almost identical to when you have a wetter year, the rut happens earlier opposed to a drier year. And I don't know why that is. Um, it's got to be scientific somewhere. Some reason why these bulls are coming or these cows are coming into estrus earlier in a wet year than they are in a dry year. And maybe, maybe it's because they don't want to have as many cows or calves in a dry drought because they're not going to do as well than they do in a, then this is the time for them to really multiply when, when the grass is good and, and everything else is going on. I, I don't know if there's any validity to that. There know? is. So there is, there absolutely is, right? I think it's 13%, a minimum of 13% body fat, right? So in a wetter year, we have better feed. Yeah. That fat content in stores gets up higher because that's what's going to trigger that. They're not going to, they're not going to go in and get pregnant without having the proper body fat on them. Yeah. Plus they got to get through winter with that too. So I, and, I, and I know the winter solstice, I could be off on that. I know the winter solstice and, and the equinox has something to do with that for sure. But I really think mother nature, good Lord, and all provide that these animals know when it's a good time, like guy said, to get pregnant, to have babies and, Nature really takes its course during that. But I have gone through our elk seasons up here as we've dove into helping people get better at elk hunting. And the things that I have learned is when we've had wetter years, the rut seems to really blow up early. And then it dies off for a little bit. And then come 1st of October, man, it's slamming, right? Well, I mean, it's I going nuts. Colorado last year, man. I yeah. Mean, there was a time Crazy. when it should have been blowing up. and it dries a powder house. Quiet, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I think they actually came in a little bit earlier. And then, yeah. So, it it, it just kind of depends on a lot of variables. But it's all about those cows, man. You know, but that doesn't mean that you're not able to create the atmosphere of a cow coming in heat. 100%. That's what yeah. we do. That's what, yep. that's what we're known. You and Chav and all of us are known to put on those scenarios to bring in those silent bulls. Cause we're, like I said, you know, I had a guy today tell me, well, if you're in New Mexico, why would you shoot anything under a 330 or a 340 bull? And I'm like, bro, <laughs> what? 340? I mean, dude, do you not understand how hard it is to kill a 340-inch bull? Number one, those those suckers are freaking crazy smart, right? And on public land, right? I mean, it's they're super crazy. I said, you, do you guys not understand that a 280-inch bull is Pope and Young, right, in New Mexico? And 330 is a giant, Pope man. And young, Pope and Young, right? Yeah, I'm like yeah. – 
it's a trophy, man. Any bull you kill with your bow to me is a, is a trophy. But to say I'm not shooting a bull unless he's 330, it's like, man, dude, you might wait a while to DIY hunting, you know, because 330 bulls ain't growing under every bush in New Mexico, man, or in Colorado, you know. Well, so they ain't you, dying by every arrow either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to really manage your expectations when you're going about this and understanding that you get a bull coming into you. Like we knew in Colorado, it was going to be slim pickings, brother. That sucker was a legal bull. It was ready to roll. You know, whether we did it in a in any scenario, right? So, uh, Joe, you know, uh, uh, one, this, one one quick comment there, Beto. I think you know what I really like about today's podcast is because I think Joe has put everything in a really nice package, meaning. You know, we have, we have talked about the presentation in a way that, okay, what, what are your tools? What is your situation? And how are you combining the two things together to be most effective based on your environment? And, and I, you know, I just really like that breakdown. That's how my mind works, right? I mean, I have to go in sections and I think those three sections to me tell an awesome story. And, and a tool that just using that out in the Elkwoods, I think, you know, can guide a lot of people to success. Yeah. I mean, the, the three things of being able to make a good cow mew, you know, a good calf sound and a location bugle, man, those three things are going to carry you and so do well. Those three things you can do so much more just by intensity, length, volume, yeah. you can change things up, right? right. And so th- that's the thing that we want to do is so if people understand what noises and how to make them, if they understand motivations, if they understand how to match those sounds to those motivations and yeah. then make them natural and organic and present them in a way that's going to attract that animal, you're in the money. And yeah. and I just tell people, we're cow call heavy. And I always come from that angle because I can always introduce a bull when, when I do that. So... Um, and so, and I, and I tell people, some people will go like, man, there's so much information. Don't overcomplicate it. Right. Simplify Keep it. Keep it simple. Right? Yeah. K-I-S-S. Think about what the motivation is and play towards that motivation. All right. That's right. There we go. Joe, fantastic stuff, man. Duplanche, so good to have you here tonight, Thanks, man. my brother. Uh, it, uh, it's been fantastic, Joe. The content that you put out in these last two shows about calling and strategies and presentation have been fantastic. And uh, like we talked to uh, many, many times, if you like what we're doing here, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us, so and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on the show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, kiss your wives, wives, kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Everybody, man, we're getting ready to hit the woods, so we won't see you for a while. Grinders in the (laughs) woods. Here's some more music from our brother, Tony Tony. Wintry. Close out the show, Joe. And I'm telling you, Tony's going to be killing it, too. Watch. Good night, everybody. Peace. Peace, peace. The man on top of the world didn't fall there. 
It's the way life goes.